The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. In a world that can be challenging, and at times unpredictable, it's hard to find moments to focus on what you need. Join Stephanie James on The Spark as she guides you to use your inner flame to ignite your best life. As a best-selling author, psychotherapist, transformational life coach, and international show host, Stephanie is dedicated to helping you create a life that takes you, your goals, and your passions to the next level, so you can live a life that is fully lit up and fully alive. She believes that your life is meant to be a beautiful expression of the things that light you up. That by living your dreams, you give permission to others to do the same. Are you ready to feel alive and inspired to fuel your dreams and put a fire behind your desires? Let's ignite a spark in one another that will illuminate the world. The Spark with your host, Stephanie James, starts now. Welcome to Igniting the Spark. I'm your host, Stephanie James. I'm so excited to have this new show. This is our extension of The Spark on its new platform. So now we've moved from just igniting, I mean, from The Spark to now we're igniting The Spark. And so hopefully in 2023, you're going to find the sparks within you that need to be ignited. And I have such a special guest. I love that someone from my past, someone 40 years ago, at least, um, I have known this man. So I want to welcome Blake Bush to the show. Welcome, Blake. Hey there. It's so good to be here. Was it 40 years? I think I think it was just 12 years ago, right? We were in high school. <laughs> I, I want to say that. I'm going to talk about Blake in a moment, but first I have to tell the audience what is so great about my history with Blake is that in sixth grade, sixth <laughs> grade, Blake was my first boyfriend and yeah. absolutely, I got in so much trouble. I don't know if I told you this. I had a no. pair of white white Nikes with a red stripe and I had written Blake Bush's name Oh, all I over my that. shoes with yeah. pen, right? You were, you were OG. You were the <laughs> original girlfriend. So, <laughs> so it's That's so, so fun funny. to have that shared history with you. And also, I was thinking this morning about times we'd go up to my family's ranch and yeah. went cross-country skiing. Sledding. Yeah, yeah sledding totally on the that. inner tubes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember yeah, a particular great. crash we had. <laughs> I do remember. I was thinking about that yesterday. That was epic. <laughs> <laughs> so let me let you guys know a little bit about Blake. Blake is a pastor, and he's got just a really. I mean, I remember going to youth group with you at First Christian Church in junior high. Mm-hmm. And yep. you have just had this incredible career as a pastor, 
And now in the Colorado House of Prayer in Old Town, Fort Collins. And I love that you're still here in our hometown. Blake, tell us a little bit about, you know, okay, you get out of Fort Collins High School where we both graduated. What happened next? Well, I uh, left uh, Fort Collins and Colorado State University when I graduated and and moved all the way to uh, Loveland, Colorado. (laughs) <laughs> For people that don't know, that's like like fifteen that's minutes good. away. <laughs> Do you remember? Yeah, fifteen minutes away. And I remember when we were in school that it was a it used to be a long distance phone call to to Loveland, and and then you would think, where is Loveland? That's like so far away. But now it's just it's ridiculous how close it is. So yeah, and was there for ten years as a youth pastor. And had the time of my life, got married to a, just a beautiful woman named Kristen. She was a raft guide at a place called Noah's Ark. And I had taken it when I was interning in Fort Collins at First Christian that you mentioned down there to um, just kind of have a camp, a retreat, met her there, and then felt called to uh, go be a raft guide there the next summer. So, but after graduating, got married, became youth pastors. Uh, all four of our kids were born in Loveland and just had an amazing time as as youth pastors just got to love on kids man it was so fun so um after that moved back to Fort Collins to do college ministry as a college pastor and that was about 3 3 and a half 4 years and then we stepped out to launch our own church called Third Day and we did that for 14 years um, which was awesome. It was so fun being a senior pastor, ups and downs and all arounds. But, and um, I, I remember one time my brother calling me and asking me in a process of a conversation, he said, how many of the problems in your church are related to people? And I laughed and I said, all, all of them, all of the problems that we have are people related. We don't have many natural disasters or you know, other things, it's just, it's people make it awesome and people make it hard, but, um, but I loved being a senior pastor. So after 14 years of that, uh, we stepped out, which would have been four years ago, uh, to pursue this ministry called One Hope. Um, and our primary activity right now is the Colorado House of Prayer in Old Town, Fort Collins. So I'm sure we'll, we'll get into that, but that's just kind of the overview of, uh, kind of my journey. Uh, in in church life. Yeah. Well, you know, and I think people, you know, they they hear pastor or minister and and it might conjure up a certain image um, of someone who's just very, very proper or maybe stiff. And and you are so not that, you know, you you are like this warm, cool guy that people could just talk to. It's so interesting you say that because for a little while when I was kind of transitioning, you know, between ministries, I did some Uber driving and it just, a, just a little bit, you know, with, with uh, expensive Fort Collins. And so just supplementing and invariably probably one out of four times someone would say, well, what else do you do? Do you drive this or do you do this? And, and I'd say, I'm a pastor. And it would just go, it would just go cold. <laughs> it was like, people were just like, Oh no, get me out, pull over right here. This is where. So uh, I had to switch that up and, and, talk about some other things that I, that I do. And when that happened, it's like conversations came alive and, um, 
as long as I didn't mention that I was a pastor. So. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of, you know, Brene Brown, if you're familiar with her. She's, she is a shame researcher, and she goes, talk about <laughs> a conversation killer on an airplane when you tell yeah. someone, oh, I'm a shame researcher. <laughs> Shame on you for asking me. <laughs> yeah. Much much like a pastor, it's like, okay, now it goes cold. Yeah. How to kill a conversation. <laughs> well, and I'm yeah. I am curious, Blake, because I really don't know this about you. I mean, we have not been in touch in right. a way that we've followed intimately each other's lives. So I really am curious about what was that calling for you? You know, obviously I knew oh, you were a spiritual yeah. kid. We we shared that, you know, in junior high. And then I kind of tapped yeah. out. I don't know what what really led you to do what you're doing. Yeah, that's a great question. I kind of joke and say that I got tricked into being a pastor because I wanted to just work with kids. And yet my faith was also very real for me. Mm-hmm. So the place that we, you know, engaged church-wise was called First Christian here in Fort Collins at that time. And so because we had such a great youth ministry and youth ministry experience that after graduation, I was like, well, I just want to continue on. So I volunteered and hung out. And then they said, well, how about an internship? And I was like, that's great. I'd love to hang out even more. And, and so did that for four years. And then after the internship and and graduation, it was like, well, what am I going to do? And then I had some, somebody, a family friend, actually, um, my parents' friends that were going to a church in Loveland said, well, hey, why don't you just apply for this youth pastor position? And I was like, yeah, I kind of feel a call to that. And so got hired on pretty easily, quickly. And and it just was like getting on one of those log rides at Elitch's or, you know, some theme park, whatever your theme park is. And all of a sudden you're just you're just on this trip and you can't get out. And not that I wanted to, but it was like, you know, it just started off wanting to work with kids and loving Jesus and that kind of thing. And it just got more and more intense as we went. But specifically the House of Prayer, that was something that four years into being a senior pastor, I just started reflecting upon the words in scripture that Jesus said that my dwelling place is a house of prayer for all nations. And I just, I just was kind of haunted by that and uh, reflected a lot upon that and asked people like, what, what does that mean? And just through, uh, ultimately, I believe God calls people to careers and activities and, you know, different, just different experiences. So I, uh, that, that reflection upon that scripture really became kind of a passion. And then that passion became uh, obviously a calling and then and then that calling became a vocation. So, yep, got into it by wanting to work with kids. And then somewhere along the lines, God hijacked my heart and said, no, this is really what I want for you. And so now, now it's a, a real passion and a conviction. That's a, it's a great thing. It's an awesome thing. And God really loves Fort Collins in Colorado, and he, he wants to bless it. Uh, and I believe that he has ways to bring his blessing. It can happen in a general sense, but I think when you kind of follow what's in his heart, then we really tap into what his blessing is. So that was the other part of it is got into it for kids, but then also got into it for just people in general that I, I believe Jesus is the hope of the world. 
And that's why we call our ministry One Hope. It's like there ultimately there is one hope, and that's what we need to tap into. So living living my dream in many ways, you know, being in a house of prayer in Fort Collins, Colorado. Doesn't get much better than this. So what's interesting is when I ran into you at Mug's Coffee Shop a couple months ago, one of the things that really touched me, because my own spiritual journey, I feel like even though I still hold, you know, so many of my beliefs the same, I also feel like I've expanded, you know, and, and I wouldn't necessarily call myself a religious person. And right. one of the things I love that you were talking about with this house of prayer is that it actually is welcoming in people from all different kinds of faiths. Oh, sure. Can yeah. you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, you get into one of these areas that can be controversial, but yet at the same time, it, it can be diffused a little bit when you just realize that God just loves people first and foremost. He just loves them. And so, um, and if, if we're reflecting his heart at all, his heart is just for people wherever that they're at on the journey that they're on. And he's just so patient and kind mm -hmm. that, I think he just loves people that are humble enough to seek the truth. I love that. Well, it's not, I love it. I'm actually kind of terrified of it, but in, in uh, the Psalms or in the Proverbs, it says that there are, there are certain things that God actually hates. And the first thing that he hates is, is a proud person. It's like, he just hates pride, but he says he loves the humble and he gives grace to humble people. So I think as, as long as we're just kind of, really not too cool for school, but can be really open to who he is and what he has that uh, he just embraces everyone. You know, when Jesus came, uh, man, he, he would hang out with sinners and saints and everybody in between. So yeah, our place is, it's not a church. It's just a location in the community for where churches can work together, ministries can work together, but ultimately it's just a place that Anybody can just come in and kind of veg out and, or sometimes I use the word monk out. It's like, you can just go in there and just listen to music and we'll leave you alone and you can seek the Lord. Or if you want to talk to somebody, there's people to talk to. If you want prayer, we pray. But um, I remember one, I think he was homeless, but uh, I remember one kid and he was in his twenties, but uh, he came in and he just said, man, this is so amazing. Thank you for creating this place. He said, you know, three years ago when I lived in Greeley, I hit a really, really dark place and uh, I needed help. And he goes, and, and I went and I knocked on the doors of like 20 different churches and they were all closed. And so I didn't know where to go. And he didn't really tell me much beyond what happened, what happened there. But he goes, man, I just wish there would have been something like this that I could have just come in mm -hmm. and, um, just found, you know, at least a warm place and some welcoming people. And and that's a pretty common story. You get that quite often. Actually, I had another guy just walk right in the doors. This was pretty wild. He walked in the doors and he he got about 30 steps in and he fell on his knees, hands raised up. And he just goes, God is in this place. <laughs> and, wow. and I'm like, okay, bro. And so I said, just, can I, can I help you at all? And he's like, I just need to, I just need to find God. And I said, well, just, just hang out here. And he ended up going down 
to the front where there's kind of an altar area. And he just wept for like an hour and a half. He just wept. And I just, I left him alone, not because I wanted to, I didn't care for him, but sometimes, you know, we get in the way of what God's doing in people's lives. And so ready there at a moment's notice, but also just kind of like, man, just come in and, and just find a connection with the Lord. And so, yeah, everybody's welcome in this place. And, and, um, but you know, at the same time, I do believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. So, you know, if anybody seems open to it, I'm, I'm ready to just share that hope. Tell us a little bit about your own personal experience and how that relationship yeah. for you has influenced your life wow. or, or, you know, miracles in your life or, yeah. you know, that, that have happened as a result, because, you know, I find too, a lot of times in, you know, mainstream media, sometimes in, in these modern days, it's like, oh, Jesus is almost to say that name or to say, you know, if we're talking yeah. about God, it, it's almost, it becomes uncomfortable for people. And that's yeah. why, you know, this platform for me was so important because if I'm going to be talking about psychology and spirituality and science, I want to make sure that we're talking about all spirituality. We're not just like, okay, let's yeah. talk about the new spirituality. Um, I think yeah. that let's also be comfortable with some of the things that were truly the beginnings, you know? So, yeah. so tell us a little bit about that journey for you and that relationship. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I came to a personal faith when I was in junior high at, again, first Christian church and it was real and it was, <clears throat> it was impactive. It wasn't just like a set of systems to kind of learn or some rules to follow. Cause I'm like you, Stephanie, I'm not a very religious person. As a matter of fact, I really don't even really like religion. I don't mean to offend anybody yeah. out there who's in a religion, but I'm, I'm more spiritual. I'm more into personal relationship. And so it was very real to me. And then ever since then, I mean, in the last 40 years, I've just, I just have st a story after story of just how real God is like miracles, signs and wonders. And, you know, to, to that point where it's just kind of very, very clear to me that God is real and he is alive and, and, and he'll reveal himself to, to people who are seeking and asking and knocking and, and uh, again, he's just loving towards all, but he's very respective of us in our free choices and, and in our pursuit. He's a very present help in time of need, but he's also kind of like, if you don't need me, I'll be over here. Yeah. And when you need me, you just call on me. So I, I don't know. It's like, I don't even know where to, to begin of telling of just the personal revelations, the, the, the personal relationship, the signs and wonders and miracles and, and crazy things. It's, uh, I could go on quite a bit. So I don't know, you might have to dial in a little bit more about what specifically you'd want to hear because sure. I'll tell stories all day long. <laughs> well, I would love to hear a story, you know, and, and I'll, I'll give you a moment to think about it and, and share with you one of my own experience of that, because I definitely have felt so many times in my life that divine intervention. And yeah. one, one of my most powerful favorite stories where there was no mistake, you know, that God was, you know, looking out for me. This was literally half my life ago. 
And so I was 25 years old, a single mom, and I was working at a psychiatric hospital in Aurora, Colorado. And I'd been there for two years and I was the only person that was non-mastered level on the therapy team. And so I go up, my aunt Georgetta had this home in Eagle Vale, and it's this huge, huge home that slept like 14 people. So I invited friends from high school and college and people I worked with. Long story short, we go there for this big weekend, have an amazing time. And the last night I was sharing a room with my girlfriend, Elle, and we're getting ready to go to bed. And I just start weeping. And she's like, what's going on? Like here, we're having this great time. And I said, I don't know. I'm just feeling it so strong in my heart. Like I have to get out of Denver. Like I need to move back home to Fort Collins. And huh. she's like, are you nuts? Like you have all these great friends. You have this career, you know, like at the time I didn't have my graduate degree. And so it was like all this, you know, beautiful serendipity has happened for you. Why would you want to move? And I'm like, I don't, it's on my heart so strong. So long story short, I woke up the next morning and I'll always remember this because that was the 14th of January. No, let's see. No, it was the 13th of January because the 14th of January, I called mom and said, mom, I don't know what this is, but I need to move back to Fort Collins. And she's like, well, as luck would have it, our renter that they had in their one of their homes, his lease was up the 1st of February. And they said, I'm going to go give my two weeks notice. My lease was up the same thing, February 1st. So I go back, I do that. I moved to Fort Collins within just a couple of days. I had a job at Foothills Gateway. So three weeks to the day that I moved there, the adolescent unit that I worked on closed. All mm. of my girlfriends were laid off. Wow. As wow. a single mom who would have signed another lease, there's no way yeah. I could have survived any of that yeah. financially. And the adolescent unit shut down because of what they, the front page of the Denver Post said, psychiatric abuses charged because we had scouts going out and bringing kids in. And this was before managed care. And so we'd just keep them until their insurance ran out. But the thing that was illegal was that these scouts were getting like $5,000 kickbacks hmm. for bringing the kids in, which is illegal. So anyway, it never reopened. And so I just, I would have been out of a job. It would have been such wow. a hassle. And instead it was like, yeah. I listened to that still calling of my heart Yeah. and miracles happen. That's so, awesome. okay. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for letting yeah. me share that. I'm seeing that we're just going to take a quick break, Blake, and then we're going to come sure. back and we're going to hear one of what your story. miracle stories. Season milk. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back in just a moment. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. All right. Welcome back. I am here with Blake Bush. So loving this conversation. It's so awesome to be able to connect with you. We were just talking about miracles 
Blake mentioned during the break that my father, my father just passed away two weeks ago. And one of the things, Blake, I wanted to share with you is since when, when he went into ICU about three weeks ago, I started having dreams with him in them for the first time. I had 12 nights of dreams where mm. we were just hanging out and just having an amazing, you know, amazing conversations. There were dreams where we were playing cards and there was uh, just beautiful dreams of connection. And I really feel like, wow, I could really feel his spirit and just feel the mm -hmm. love that's there. So, you know, again, I, miracles happen in our lives all the time that I think are spirit led. Yeah. yeah, that's good. So maybe I will just give a few stories of the most recent things. I mean, I've got kind of a whole life of them, but I just am kind of going through the, the Rolodex saying, okay, which ones to pull out, but I'll, I'll just give you the, the, the freshest ones off of the, off the plate. Uh, so we opened up in September, the Colorado house of prayer at three twenty eight Remington Fort Collins <laughs> here in the hood. And we did three weeks of 8am to 8pm Monday through Friday worship and prayer from a whole bunch of different churches and ministries. I think we had over a hundred churches involved and it was really, really cool. And then during, during the, the, you know, a church would take like an hour and a half set and then they'd serve communion and bless the next ones in line. And the next ones would take an hour and a half. So we had eight of those a day and we just saw so many cool things happen. I think because of the unity, like I think God really loves when his kids play nice together and <laughs> <laughs> don't speak bad of each other and, you know, love each other well and pray and worship. And a couple, two or three really come to mind, uh, significant things that happened. I had this, this guy came in off the street. He was in his twenties and he was, he was really drunk. He was really drunk. I was surprised that he could carry on a conversation because his eyes were rolled back in his head and he was stumbling all around, but he, he just came in and I happened to catch him. I don't know why we connected, but uh, he came over to me and, and he just says, I want to know what the difference is between all the religions and Jesus. And I was like, well, I'd love to talk to you about it, but he was kind of loud and obnoxious. So I'm like, well, let's, let's go outside. So we went outside and I just kind of began to tell him the story of Jesus and and I'm like, are you understanding what I'm saying? And he's like, yeah, I mean, he was he was there enough to keep on a conversation. And I just said, well, are, are you are you like really interested or are you just playing a game here? And he goes, no, I really want to know. And I said, well, you know, kind of in, in my faith tradition, we lead people into kind of a personal relationship. And I said, but I don't, I don't want this to be manip manipulative or I don't want it to be like, you don't even remember what happened. So I said, you, you would have to be sober to kind of take any next steps in this thing. And I said, can I just pray for you uh, to, to be sober? And he goes, yeah, go for it. And it was so cool to just see this transformation before my eyes, where his whole demeanor changed. His eyes became clear. They were rolled back in his head and he, and he came to, and he, he was freaked out. He was like, whoa, what just happened? He's no more slurred speech. And I said, I, I said, it looks like you're sober now. Are you sober? And he goes, yeah, I, I just was like instantly made sober. 
And, uh, and I, I said, well, I, I think because God wants to do something in your life. So then I kind of led him in a prayer of, um, to, of faith in Jesus. And, and I was like, that's really cool. I haven't seen someone, I've seen someone get drunk quickly, but I've never seen anybody made sober quickly. And so that was pretty cool. Another, another one that, that happened is I, I had a, what we call a word of knowledge, which is basically God just kind of whispering and saying, Hey, someone here is struggling with this. So I just gave a word and said, there's somebody here with a lower back hip issue. And I just I'd like to pray for you, but there was no response from anyone. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Cause in those three weeks, I were just getting tons of like God just whispering into my heart, like things that people were dealing with like a ton of them. But this one, it just kind of struck me because it was like, no, no one came forward. But then the worship, the person who was leading worship afterwards was just like, well, that's me. Um, but I was leading worship, so I couldn't do anything about it. And it's it's just been an issue I've had my whole life. And so I don't even think if, you know, you prayed and the pain left, that it just would come back tomorrow. And I said, why do, why do you say that? And she said, well, it's because I have one leg that's shorter than another, is what the doctors or whoever say or maybe she just had that personal revelation. I said, well, God can deal with root issues. So I said, let's show me. So she sat down on the pew and took off her shoes and I'm looking at her feet, holding them in my hands like this. And I was like, wow, yeah, you have one leg that's shorter than another. I said, well, I'm going to pray for it. And so I just said a simple prayer and I, I saw that leg grow out and become even. And I looked at her and I said, are you pushing your leg? And she goes, no, no, I'm not pushing my leg. She goes, are you, are you pulling my leg? I said, I didn't pull your leg. And um, so we both figured out we're not, we're not pulling anybody's legs on this thing. And, and then she stood up and she goes, wow, the pain, the pain's gone. And then I saw her two weeks later and she goes, I've been showing everybody my new leg and, uh, and doing pretty, pretty good. So it's like, um, that was just a really cool thing. But, you know, one of the things that I've noticed about miracles is that it doesn't necessarily produce faith in God because Jesus went about doing all kinds of miracles and they didn't believe because of what they saw, mm -hmm. because you can just kind of rationalize that away really easily. Although I've got so many that could barrage you with, I've, I've seen people healed of epilepsies. I saw Deaf ears open. I saw blind eyes opened. But ultimately, that doesn't really produce faith. Faith comes from hearing the message of Jesus, the word of God. So I don't know if anybody's out there just kind of being a little skeptical of signs and wonders. I'm just kind of like, yeah, you, you should be. You should be really skeptical of that. But what you should check into is like the actual teachings of Jesus and what he says, because that's what produces faith is when you hear the testimony of God. And I think in my life, when you were kind of asking, you know, about my own faith journey, ultimately that's, that's what's hit my heart is not all the signs and wonders because the Bible says, Hey, even, you know, even in your day and in the last days, you know, there, there will be people that'll do all kinds of signs and wonders and spiritual miraculous things, but you really have to look at the truth. And Jesus claimed to be the truth and not just, you know, some nice guy and miracle worker. And so ultimately for me, I am, I've just come into this personal thing with him because 
of his teachings. And he said, you know, if anybody just receives my teachings, it's like building your life upon the rock. And when the storms come and the seas rage and, you know, all of that kind of stuff, your, your life will stand because ultimately he is the rock of our lives. And that's what I found for me is just that he, he is the rock, uh, the rock of Christ Jesus. And so, but all of the signs and wonders and miracles things, they're, they're good because they kind of point to, you know, signs point to, to things. They, they make you wonder, like, what the heck is going on here? What is this guy talking about? So all it can do is kind of point you to the Gospels, but ultimately it's the Gospels that um, are the things that I built my life upon, not the experiences. And um, so I don't know, I've got tons more, but that's probably a good snapshot into just kind of what my life has kind of been about. Yeah, which is which is so great. And and as you're talking about, you know, this this personal relationship, I'm I'm curious for just our listeners and and I think sometimes, you know, as we were saying, people might hear the word Jesus and all of a sudden they just like shut down. Yeah. You know, and and so they're Jesus, not open maybe to hear <laughs> for you in your experience, I mean, what do you feel like his main message is for people that literally don't know? Oh yeah. That's a great question. So the core of his message is that he, he, he said, I, I came to reveal the father. Like I came to tell you about the father and it's like, well, why in the world would he have to come and tell us about the father? Why can't the father just show up? Why can't we just see God? And, and I'm just a, the understanding and I also agree and believe it, that if God showed up, you would be so under compulsion to believe in him, you would have no other option. Like if he just showed up and goes, hey, everybody, I'm here. We'd just be like oh, flat on our face be like, <laughs> oh, gee, wow. <laughs> but the nature of love is it's, it's not compulsory. It's, it's not overwhelming. And so... I believe he's he's hidden himself for a reason that if you want him, he can be found. If you don't want him and you want to do your own thing, you can do that too. That's that's the nature of love. I believe free choice is one of the core aspects of love. But he didn't want to he didn't want to be so distant that he couldn't be found. So he sent Jesus and kind of two main things. One is to reveal the love of the father and who the father is, but then also just to, to pay the penalty for our sin and our rebellion from God. And because God is, is love, but he's also just, you know, think about if, uh, let's say I'm trying to think of an event, Oklahoma city bomber killing all those kids in that tower. Let's say he stood before a judge and that judge just goes, Oh, a week in prison. You know, we would lynch that judge as being unjust. Mm -hmm. Because we have a sense of justice. We know what justice is. And God's the same way. That, that characteristic comes from God. He doesn't wink at sin. It's kind of like, well, sin separates us. And, and you know, we have to be held accountable for all the terrible things we've done or, or neglected. And so, but he, he didn't, he, he knew that we couldn't really ultimately handle that. And so he sent Jesus to, to pay the penalty for sin by dying upon a cross but he was so fully God that, that the grave couldn't keep him in the ground. So he resurrected three days later and appeared to over 500 people. And, and those people encountered him and saw him and 
began to spread the message. So the message of Jesus is basically he came and told us of the Father and who he is and how good he is. And he has a kingdom and he has a people and he has a plan and he has redemption and he's merciful and he's gracious, but he's a just judge. And he hates sin and he hates pride and arrogance and evil ways. But uh, Jesus came to pay the penalty for sin. And then beyond that, actually, for those who would embrace him, he'll come and be a father. He'll be, he'll, he'll be inside of us. He'll give us a new way, a new way of thinking and acting and, and living and uh, have, gives us purpose and gives us a hope of eternity and a hope even in this life that he'll carry us through all the craziness of this world. So, yeah, I mean, it's basically that. Tell us about the Father, save us of our sins, and come and live inside of us and give us a hope for our lives. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. Yeah. It's the greatest story ever told. It's just amazing how how good he is. Thank you for sharing that. You know, I, I feel like one of the healing maybe aspects of my life was when I had, this is probably two, 30 years ago, but um, I used to work at a mental health center in Cheyenne and I had, I worked with paranoid schizophrenics. And so a lot of times I had religious delusions. And so I had invited actually a local priest to come over and speak to them. And one of the things he shared is he said, you know, the Aramaic word, for sin, what it, what it really means is to miss the mark, yeah. that it was an archery term. Mm-hmm. And so he s- spoke about redemption being you get back on the path and you re-aim. A- yeah. And that really spoke to my heart because I always was, you know, that that's something I really struggled with when I heard the word sin, like, oh, that means, yeah. you know, if we do something wrong, then we're a horrible person and we're, you know, yeah. all these super, right. super negative things. And so that was really healing for me because, again, I think that can be one of those words that we go, <gasps> you know, and, and, and it, it might turn people off to, to knowing that maybe the, the deeper message is really about love. Yes, that's exactly right. And I think we do kind of think in categories of like wrong behavior, right behavior, and God's mad or he's glad if you do that instead of just looking at it of like, no, he wants the very best for us. And when we kind of get off of the very best, that's getting off a of center and that's getting into sin. But that just means it's like, well, no, there's a, there's a better way. There's a, there's a more loving way. There's a more living way. There's a higher thing that, that brings life. So ultimately it's, it's about the very center of where the, the most life is the most life giving things. You know, if I treat somebody bad, we can call it sin. But the reason that it's sin is that it would be so much better to be kind and loving towards somebody. So we can focus upon sin or you can focus upon the fact that he has just such a better way. And that's what he wants for us. Like he really wants the best for us and for our society. So, yeah, you're exactly right. Sin kind of gets a bad rap. (laughs) (laughs) And it's good because it's just, it's, it's not hitting the very, the very best and the the most life giving things that we can do and be. So yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. Well, yeah. And I love your, your message of, you know, it it is about, I I used to do a women's group that was a random acts of kindness group. And Mm -hmm. I think that that is 
you know, one, one of the most beautiful things we can do is have that inner awareness of how do we want to express that within us. I feel like we all have this essence or this God spark, you know, or, you know, the spark within us. Mm-hmm. How do we want to express that in the world? And so yeah. when, when we can be intentional and do these random acts of kindness and we can keep yeah. choosing, it doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. Yeah. It means that we can redirect, realign, get back on the path and choose again. Yeah. I think one of the things that I'm talking about this sin thing is to me, that's what religion is. is religion is so focused upon right behaviors or don't do the wrong things or make a list of things to do and list of things to don't do. And it can be really overwhelming because you realize, man, even, even my own personal goals that I set, I so often fall short of those. And, and so religion is basically making those set of rules and then trying to live towards them to be accepted by God or to be accepted by others, or even to accept yourself. It's like, I'm so disappointed in myself. If I could just do this and then you fail at it and fail at it and fail at it. So religion is setting the rules and then not living to them. But Christianity is, is about a relationship with Jesus that you walk with him and talk with him. And he says, Hey, here's a better idea. Instead of yelling at your wife, why don't you speak tenderly? And, you know, and then he, and then he empowers you to do that better next time. And then when you do fail, you're forgiven. You really are. And so you're no longer working for acceptance. You're working from acceptance because he has accepted you, because he has adopted you in, because he's called you, you know, his own, because he's forgiven you of, of sins, past, present, and future. And then, and then it just kind of decompresses everything. It's like, oh, okay, now I can just go live life and he'll, and he'll be with me and he'll tell me and help me, you know, and help me to, to live better. And then when I fail, he lifts me up, says, let's just try it again. Keep going. And when you've fallen a thousand times, you think, oh, he, he must be out of patience. Like you have failed at this a thousand times. And he goes, man, if I can forgive the sins of the entire world, I can forgive you a thousand times a thousand. And so I just, I, I love the personal relationship that he came to reveal and to move us out of religion and rules of do's, do's and don'ts. Not focused on sin, but focused on the father and his love and his relationship with us. Yeah. I, I just I I so deeply respect your journey and and all the good work that you've done and that you continue to do for so many people for this community and I'm so excited for the community to have this place where anyone can come this Colorado House of Prayer I'm so thrilled tell us again Blake where people can find that and how can they get a hold of you Yeah. We are at 328 Remington, Old Town, Fort Collins. You can go to coloradohouseofprayer.com and catch the schedule. Right now, we're open Monday through Friday, noon to 5. Fridays, we go later. We're open till 8.30. But eventually, the goal is to be 24-6, where you can go anytime, day or night. Not Sundays, because we're church-based. We want people to be in their, in their communities. But that's the idea, is that... You know, sometimes Tuesdays at 3 p.m. is is not when you need God. It's like Tuesdays at 3 
a.m. <laughs> that, that you <laughs> right. need God, that the emergencies hit. And and so just to be able to go there anytime day or night is, is where it's headed. But for now, um, as it's just starting off, just a few months old, we've got some some limited hours. But uh, and on Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, we do have a 10 a.m. time where people are singing hymns and older songs. We have some churches that are leading kind of the traditional stuff. And we call that time timeless, just the timeless songs. But just in general, you can get at the website and uh, you can also email me, Blake, at onehopecolorado.com. And uh, there's other contact information on those websites. So we have two websites, onehopecolorado.com and coloradohouseofprayer.com. Well, Blake, it has been such a joy to reconnect with you and to get to hear about your amazing journey and where life has brought you and the gifts and the miracles that have been flowing through your life. So great to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Stephanie. You have been listening to Igniting the Spark with Stephanie James. Thank you for listening. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Make sure you subscribe and receive every episode. For more information about this show, my books, films, and events, go to stephaniejames.world and ignite your best life. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.